broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it, man. It is another weekend. The first program of the weekend edition of The Voice Reason for 2024. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrated over the past few weeks. So wonderful to have you back with us here, man. Getting into the groove, I know. It was the first work week back into normality before we, uh, you know, get an actual full five-day work week. So hopefully you were able to transition yourself properly into another week. But it's so great to have you back. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation in Wichita, Kansas, out of the Hoosier Media Network Studios. We are all over social media with our handle at Hoosier Reason. Find us, H-O-O-S-E-R, Reason, at Hoosier Reason. Also, our website at HoosierReason.com. You can find our website, subscribe to the newsletter. I have been working on the website, by the way. We're getting some new features on it. It's not complete yet. It's a little bit better structured, I think. We're still adding a lot of more cool stuff on there, so go and check that out. Again, HoosierReason.com. That's the way, baby, to start off a 2024 because, man, I, t- I told you in the newsletter, if you're a Hoosier Holic and if you sign up for the monthly newsletter, that you're in for a wild ride right out of the gate, and that has not disappointed at all. So let's get into this thing. What do you say? Right on. Yeah. Let's do it. Do it. Rock that world. Rock that world. Coming up, bottom of this hour, we have Joe Trotter. He is with the ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. We'll talk about energy prices, the environment, agriculture, and the farm bill. We have oil that is gas prices that are lower than what we thought they would be or what they should be right now, not thanks to the Biden administration, although they are trying to take credit for that for sure, and we can't let them. So we have that to get to. We'll talk with that. Uh, we'll talk about that with Joe in just a little bit. But what a wild week, man. The first week out of the gate. We always love to do our week in review. It's your week in review. As out of the gates. Now, I'm, you know he's going to get burnout early. You know that it's not going to take long for him to go on a massive, like, week-long vacation after his two weeks of vacation for Christmas and New Year. But President Joe Biden coming out of the gate this week with his entire team because he can't do it himself. His staff has to campaign for him, talking about the agenda of 2024 as the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, earlier this week, talking about how wonderful the Biden administration has been and what the agenda looks like for 2024. Last year, if you think about the last three years, this president has accomplished more in three years than any other president has been able to do in two terms. And so we saw the data coming out of uh, last year on the economy and Bidenomics and how it's working. If you think about 14 million jobs created, you see unemployment at four, under 4% in 22 months. You see gas prices going down. It's under three bucks in 28 states. Those things matter, and that's incredibly important. And so we're hoping what we want to do is continue to focus on Bidenomics and continue on lowering up costs and prices for the American people. Look, the president, after coming out of the State of the Union, he talked about uh, he talked about finishing up the job, right? And when he, what he meant by that is uh, continuing to work for veterans, right? And making sure we do the work that we need to do there. Working on uh, 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 public health issues like cancer and other important, critical key in, in things that American people care about, whether it's Roe, making Roe the law of the land and continuing to work on gun violence. Our young people, kids, are the uh, when it comes to gun violence, guns are the the, the the leading killer of our kids. So we're going to continue to do that work, and that's going to be our focus in the upcoming year. All right, first and foremost, I have to apologize. We're just coming off a holiday, which I hope it was a great holiday for you, by the way. You got to see the family and friends, got some little R&R, got some time to just decompress and get ready for the new year. Hopefully you have your laundry list of 
New Year's resolutions all set on what you're going to do, lose some weight, get back in shape, start a career, start a business, whatever your plan is. I have to apologize because I really don't like to start off a brand new year playing stupid and making you kill off some brain cells by listening to people like Joe Biden and Kareem Jean-Pierre, because listening to that again, it still makes my brain hurt just a little bit on how ridiculous she sounds with how great that agenda is. I'm honestly surprised that she even brought up the concept of Bidenomics because they kind of let that go to the wayside for a while. The economy, while they can say that job growth has been there, they can't really say much else about the economy. We're still floating at a near 20, 25% Uh, inflation rate over the past three years under Joe Biden. Now, it may be a little bit lower now, and because people are starting to take a breath because inflation has come down compared to, meaning it's only at like 3% instead of 8% right now, that people are starting to become a little bit more calm and complacent with the economy. We're not looking at the long term. Most people in politics don't look at the long term about what the economy looks like. So because people are not as angry at the moment, they try to take credits. Oh, look at that. Bidenomics, we're getting the inflation down. Now, if you look at it from the three-year stint, I, I'd like to remind you during the holidays, if you watch the movie Home Improvement and you remember him walking home from the grocery store with like three bagfuls full of groceries for $20, that that was the economy way back when. Now $20 will get you like two items at the grocery store. You can have a bag. It'll be a very small bag, but you can you can have a bag, and that'll be just about it. Oh, how the times have changed. But remember, consumers, the American public, the voter, for the most part, does not look long-term. They just want the here and now. If the prices are decent, they're complacent, do whatever you do, just leave us alone. If they're high, then they're going to be very angry. When the prices were high just a few months ago, people were angry. The Biden administration kind of shunned off the whole Bidenomics concept. Now that things are reasonable, they're still high, but they're not as high Then people are complacent. Oh, whatever. It's okay. Fine. Sure. Yeah, you're doing a great job, Joe. Keep it up. Well done. That's not us. That's the majority of the voters and just the complacency that the American consumer actually has. In regards to energy prices, again, not because of Joe Biden. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program, but not because of Joe Biden. He's actually begging OPEC to bring us more oil when they're actually cutting their production. It's U.S. oil that Joe Biden doesn't want to happen. U.S. oil companies doing their own thing and drilling for oil, even without the consent of the Biden administration. I am laughing at their gun control issue, gun crimes, and how bad everything is. Fear, scared, paranoia, yada, yada. That's really the mindset that the Democrats have. Now, that being said, that's the White House agenda. That's what Karine Jean-Pierre said throughout the week. Just yesterday, or on Friday, because as you know, this weekend is the third year anniversary of the most horrific, horrible thing that's ever happened on the face of the earth that was the attempted overthrow of the federal government, right? Oh, hold on. I thought, no, wait. Yeah, it was the insurrection, right? The Joe Biden insurrection thing of Donald Trump, how he tried to overthrow government. And now the campaign has been set. The platform has been made. It's wild that Joe Biden would do this. Now, he's started off the year with this campaign touring around Revolutionary War spots, Civil War spots, talking about the saving of democracy and the importance of keeping our democracy strong and how Donald Trump would be the threat to that, which is going to be his entire platform. No other issues. Karine Jean-Pierre can talk about the issues because she can actually somewhat coherently speak other than Joe Biden. Compared to Joe Biden, she does all right. Everyone else, though, is going to be talking about how bad Donald Trump is and how this election is not going to be about ideas 
not going to be about the record of Joe Biden, not going to be the record of what he's done over the past three years, not about what he wants to do to complete his last, his second term, if he gets another second term, but it's going to be about it's either him or Donald Trump, and Donald Trump's a racist, a Nazi, a fascist, a dictator, a tyrant who literally wants to execute his political opponents, according to many members of the, of the media. Today we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th, a day forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America, lost it all. Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. That was his speech on Friday at, uh, at Valley Forge. Again, trying to tie in the Revolutionary War with what we're fighting against with Donald Trump. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to resonate with the voters, but this is the Joe Biden mentality. I mean, (laughs) let's go into the Biden basement. So Joe Biden thinks that that's his campaign tactic. Now, I said this on the weekday program, so I don't want to focus too terribly much on it again for those that listen to both shows. But I want to step away from the absurdity that he said during the actual speech and not necessarily focus on the content because the content is obviously stupid and it makes my brain hurt just thinking about what he tried to say in that speech tying in how donald trump did all this garbage but i want to focus on how this appeals to the voter now remember and i've said this before on the air that if i wasn't in radio my ideal job that i would love to do would be like a political consultant hey politician shake hands over here take a picture over here make this comment over here focus on this issue over here i i I enjoy that i enjoy the behind the scenes on how a politician works to try to appeal to certain demographics and certain people. I find that intriguing because it's more psychology that's tied in with politics. How can you win somebody over and get them to believe in you to cast their vote for you to be a leader in the nation? I find that side of it very interesting. But what I don't get here is how Joe Biden, one of the most, I guess you could say, seasoned politicians, one of the more elderly politicians, one of the more, uh, um, seasoned politicians that have been there for a long stint of time since the 1970s, for crying out loud, how he doesn't have a round table of people that are much smarter than what they have in front of him right now. What do you mean by that, Andy? Well, what I mean by that is you would think that if you have the top political consultants in the entire nation, that you wouldn't try to do the same garbage that you've done for the past four years which is just blame Donald Trump for everything and call him a racist and a Nazi. That argument gets old. And if you use the same rhetoric over and over and over again, sure, you might be able to fake the people out by making them think that it's truth. Because if you say a lie enough times and people begin to think that it's actual truth, you might be able to do that. But at the same time, you water down and belittle the meaning of the actual words. So when you say Donald Trump is a threat to democracy, your face should be melting about how stupid those words are pieced together into a full-on sentence because, number one, we don't have a democracy, and number two, Donald Trump's not trying to take it away. If anybody's trying to take away our way of governance would be Democrats that are trying to consolidate power at the federal level. Besides all that, again, I don't want to go into the weeds of what he said because those are obvious arguments that we can all make. I want to focus on the voter, and is this appealing to anybody? Now, for anybody that's heard the name Donald Trump since, I don't know, 2015, 
with him running for president, his first term in office, and then everything we've seen thereafter for the last few years since he's been out of office, you already know who Donald Trump is. You saw the news. You heard about the quote-unquote insurrection. I like to call it the mostly peaceful protest that was in Washington, D.C. You heard about his cases uh, trying to take him off the ballot. You've heard about him nonstop. He's getting free publicity in the in the media. So I ask you, as a voter, and maybe if you know a voter who isn't necessarily as politically engaged in you, does this appeal to them? Does this rhetoric appeal? Because this is very angry. This is very spiteful. This is very hateful. This is very paranoid. This is the mindset of, oh my gosh, the world's going to end unless you keep Donald Trump out of office. And you can only sustain that level of paranoia for so long before, number one, you get fatigued and you start to fade off. And number two, the meaning of it begins to wear off. How many times have you heard this is the most important election that we've ever had in our entire existence and lifetime, which is true for the most case. But when you start to hear that every single election, you're like, all right, I'm tired of hearing about the fact that it's the most important election in my lifetime. I'm tired of this garbage. The hyped up, the paranoia. I get it's important, but does that resonate with the average voter day in and day out? Does that resonate with someone who doesn't pay attention to politics every single day? And are you winning anybody new over who hasn't heard of this situation with Donald Trump? The entire point of an election is you have your base over here. You know, the other candidate has their base over there, and there's supposed to be a group in the middle that you have to try to win over. The independent, the moderate, the wishy-washy, the undecided, whatever. Are you really winning them over? And just attacking Donald Trump again for the 2,000th time and calling him a tyrant, is that really going to win anybody new over? Like, the political strategy right out of the gate, to me at least, as an outsider looking in, is really, really stupid. But that's my opinion. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Therifying America on a daily basis here on the program. Welcome back in. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. I don't get the political strategy here of the Biden administration. Hey, we're going to launch our campaign. We have Karine Jean-Pierre earlier this week talking about the successes of the Biden team and what their agenda is for 2024. Which, again, you would think it would be a positive campaign. Hey, look at all the great stuff we've done. They've tried to do that with Bidenomics. They had to back off because it didn't work. Failed miserably. Now it's, oh, crime rates are up. We have to solve it. They're running as if, like, they haven't been in power for the last four years. And they want to be like, oh, look at all the changes that we're going to do if we can get into power. Usually, there is the incumbent president, when they run for re-election, runs on a positive campaign of how wonderful things are. Look at what we've done for the last four years. Look at all the cool stuff. The crime rates are down. And in fact, gun crime rates statistically are down across the nation. They are down. We are seeing less gun crime in the nation than what we did in the past. 2023 compared to 2022 or 2021. They're down. The Biden administration, you would think as a smart political campaign tactic, would be like, hey, look, gun crime rates are down. Look at look at what we did. Our red flag laws or our gun control policies or whatever they want to try and talk about would be like, look, it's working because gun crime rates went down. But instead, they don't like positivity. They're the, the Democrat Party are the ones that wake up in the morning and like, what can I feel offended about today? What can I be angry about today? So the only thing that works for them is negativity. 
So they have to run on the campaign, even though gun crime rates are down in the nation. They have to say, well, look at that. We have to really try and clamp down on guns because guns are running rampant. School shootings all over the place. Uh, crime ridden all over the place. We got to go after guns. It's not the mentality of the people. It's the firearm. You would think you would run a positive one because showing that there's still a high crime rate means that you have not solved it for the past four years as the one that's the president and the party that's in charge of the Senate right now. I mean, the little old Republicans that are normally scared of their own shadow, they just have a five-person majority in the House representatives. How much of a threat can they really be? Come on, ma'am. But this tactic, not even talking about that stuff, this tactic of Donald Trump as a tyrant literally wanting to eliminate his political opponents if he gets back in there, which is why Joe Biden held a rally at Valley Forge to talk about his presidential campaign and how the election is about democracy. For the first time in our history, insurrectionists had come to stop the peaceful transfer, transfer of power in America. First time. Smashing windows, shattering doors, attacking the police. Outside, gallows were erected as the MAGA crowd chanted, hang Mike Pence. Inside, they hunted for Speaker Pelosi. The House was chanting as they marched through and smashed windows. Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those they, He makes them sound like gremlins. Where's Nancy? We're going to get Nancy. Where's Mike Pence? This is the mindset. I know it's stupid, but this is again, this, this is the Democrat Party right now. They have nothing else. Let's go into the now, Biden basement. We've already heard this stuff for how many years? I mean, what was it? September of 2022, where Joe Biden came out and it was dark and the lights were red behind him. And he walks out and he says that MAGA individuals, Republicans and Donald Trump are a threat to democracy. They are literally domestic terrorists in this nation is what they've gone after. And they're using that same campaign tactic. It didn't work then because he still battles the lowest approval ratings of any president. And Donald Trump's still ahead of him in the polls right now. So their theory, the definition of insanity, apparently, crank up the dial and just use that even to the nth degree into the election. Now, I asked the question, why would they do this and what political consultants behind the scene would be advocating for this? Headline from MSN.com this weekend, Obama worried about Trump urges Joe Biden to circle, uh, Joe er, urges Joe Biden circle to bolster the campaign. Oh, Obama grew, quote, animated discussing the 2024 election and former President Donald Trump's potential return to power and said that he's suggesting new Biden advisors that the campaign needs a more top level decision maker at the headquarters in D.C. and Delaware. Oh, Obama's behind it. Shocker. What a concept. Yeah, that explains a lot. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. To it, coming out of the heartland of the nation at the Hoosier Media Network Studios in Wichita, Kansas. So wonderful to have you broadcasting all over multiple radio stations all over the place. Great to have you broadcasting coast to coast, baby, with more stations going on. I am so excited. We will, throughout the next week or two, talk about some of the goals and fun projects we have on the Hoosier Media Network, the Voice of Reason radio show, and so much more. There's some cool stuff. 2024 is going to be our year, baby. We are doing it! I am so excited, and we are excited about this as well. Hello! 
Lord. Yeah. Let's do it. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's about. Welcome back in. The Barack Obama pulling the strings, the master of the puppets behind the scenes there under the Biden administration makes so much sense. When Joe Biden's out there on Friday talking about the anniversary of the insurrection, the three years when Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government and tried to overthrow democracy. And now that's what this election is about. I mean, if that's the tactic you want to use for your campaign, cool. But that was so like 2022 because that rhetoric's old and we've heard it a million times and you're not going to win anybody new over with that. But if that's what you want to do, that's cool. Apparently, though, according to MSN, Barack Obama heavily invested into the Obama or the Biden campaign, which I'm still waiting for the operation. Joe Biden accidentally fall down the stairs while trying to try his shoe to commence. But we're getting closer to the primaries. Like, I mean, we're a week away from the Iowa caucus, which means if Democrats are going to do something, they're going to have to do something drastic pretty quick unless Joe Biden's going to be that nominee. And the fact that he's going to be that nominee makes things very interesting for the Democrats because there is zero excitement for him, even after four years of being president. So all they have is orange man bad. Very interesting. Let's shift gears a little bit here because I'm excited to chat with our next guest on the program. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. Indeed. Excited to have him on. The very first guest for the 2024 program here for our weekend weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. He's with ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, as the Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force Director. Excited to have on the program here Mr. Joe Trotter. Joe, how are you, my friend? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Happy New Year to you. And there is a lot to talk about for sure because... Not only is Congress heading back to D.C. here in the next week talking about what they're doing and what their priorities are going to be. We have a budget coming up. We have the the wintertime coming up, which means we have some energy prices. We have a farm bill that keeps getting extended because we can't figure out how to get that one down. Like, this is going to be a heavy slate this year. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. There's so much going on in D.C., but that's kind of the beauty of our system here, having all 50 states be their own little laboratories of policy. Uh, you know, so much happens in D.C. that gets so much attention, but what's going on in the States is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Let's talk first about energy. I remember not, what, three years ago, two years ago, I'm based out of Kansas here in our flagship, and we had an Arctic front that came down and caught us all by surprise, like the middle of February, where we saw negative 18-degree temperatures, and I will never forget that energy bill in my lifetime because our natural gas went from $3 per cubic foot to $600 per cubic foot, and I had a $2,500 utility bill for my natural gas for those for that week or couple of days because the energy companies were frantic in purchasing things. Now it looks like this year we could actually get another Arctic front coming down again. Are states prepared for this, or are we going to see energy prices skyrocket over the next few months because of our lack of preparedness for stuff like this? Well, some states are prepared, and those are states in which there are different ways to generate electricity, natural gas, coal, nuclear, even, yes, even wind and solar. States where they have the ability to go ahead and essentially let the market decide what is the most efficient way to do it, residents in those states are going to have lower energy bills. So, you know, when I'm looking at a house or somewhere to live, it's great to be able to turn on some electric heat in an emergency. It's great to be able to use natural gas to also be able to heat the home if necessary. It's the states that allow the market to decide and don't arbitrarily ban ways to heat your home or power electricity where residents are going to go ahead and have cheaper electricity and more affordable heat. 
many of states, uh, particularly like uh, California and, and the upper Northeast, that go ahead and have these crazy mandates that say you must generate electricity this way. And when something like an Arctic front comes through, oh, man, uh, their bills are going to be high and their power is going to be unreliable. Yeah, it is going to be scary. The latest uh, U.N. climate change conference that we saw just a couple weeks ago or a month ago, whenever it was, early December, they were talking about John Kerry literally flew out there and talked about needing to ban coal plants and ban coal energy at all, which, again, going back to that cold front that we saw a few years ago, Texas saw a lot of brown and blackouts because they refused to fire up a lot of their coal plants right now. Uh, That's a concern as we get forced to say, like you mentioned, exactly what type of energy we're allowed to use we're putting a strain on those everybody's buying an electric vehicle and then they say to cut back on your electricity because there's going to be brownouts and blackouts so i can't keep my home uh, home warm or be able to charge my car to go to work in the morning absolutely i mean look having a diversity uh, of ways to go ahead and make sure the lights stay on is just a great idea and that's from a straight up safety perspective uh, I mean, you have places like in New York right now where they're banning putting new natural gas pipelines into homes. Well, kind of the crazy thing there is these pipes that are supposed to go into homes, they, you know, they call them natural gas pipelines, but ultimately any gas can go through. Uh, hydrogen, if we ever get large-scale hydrogen production up and running, that could go ahead and be piped through. It's, it's just poor planning and not thinking ahead that not only keeps energy unaffordable for large swaths of the country, it, it puts people in danger when these Arctic fronts come through. Yeah, uh, or during the summertime when it's 120 degrees outside and we want our AC to not, like, get shut off on us. We're talking with Joe Trotter. He's with the Energy Environment Agriculture Task Force uh, for ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which you can find online at ALEC.org. Let's talk about gas prices for just a moment. Right now, gas prices are decent they're reasonable we're in an off season right now we're not traveling quite as much but at the time when all the experts were like oh gas prices are going to go up because opec is cutting their production oil companies not the biden administration but oil companies around the country say that they're going to start drilling more and actually supplementing that and now we're back to about levels of oil production nationwide domestically as we were under the trump administration this is kind of a wacky uh, system right now isn't it Oh, absolutely. And actually, you can go ahead and credit uh, President Trump's administration for this. Towards the end of the administration, they went ahead and made sure that the leasing permits were out there and ready to go before the Biden administration swooped in with its, its war on fossil fuels. So the, when, when you go ahead and do a, do a lease for t- drilling oil or extracting natural gas, the company go ahead goes ahead and leases this and then begins exploration, does a few test wells, surveys the area, and it takes about two to three years before anything productive is being pumped out of the ground. So what you're seeing right now is a direct positive impact from the end of the Trump presidency on gas prices. I like that. I, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. It does take that time. So I, I was curious on how they're able to do this after Joe Biden tried to shut down some of these drillings. They don't like it. In fact, they've been pushing this green energy policy for a long time on how they're allowing all of this drilling to happen. It's just the delayed effect, the uh, delayed response coming from this one, uh, which is fantastic. On that same front, on the statewide levels, I mean, again, coming from Kansas and the Mid-America region, we have Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, this entire region right now. 
uh, a lot of our economic industry is the oil industry. And in, in, in fact, in the state of Kansas, the oil industry is our number three biggest energy or uh, uh, economic uh, driver in the state because of this industry. Overall, do you think that states are doing well and still benefiting from what's going on right now? States are doing well. And like, like I mentioned, it takes a few years before the impact on these decisions are felt. And down the road, in a couple of years, we're going to have problems due to the Biden administration's current policies. But it's not just energy and, and gasoline where, where things are doing well right now. So most people don't realize this, but the fertilizer that goes into pretty much all crop production in the United States is actually made with natural gas. So the agriculture industry is also doing pretty well. Now, of course, there are other sort of economic drivers. We've uh, had a lot of inflation over the years, but everything seems to be evening out a bit. But that's where we're at right now. We'll see where we're at in a year or two. Yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned the fertilizers. I was not aware how much natural gas was involved in that, but I do know that we do buy a lot of fertilizer from China. And with some of the ongoing tension right now that that has driven some of those prices up on the on the agricultural side of things, uh, is that getting better, do you think, with those relations in trade and purchasing agricultural products from China, like fertilizer, to come over here? Well, I, where we're seeing the benefit is in our own domestic production there was actually a huge price hit at the beginning of the, the, the whole debacle between Ukraine and Russia because a, about a third of the world's fertilizer actually came from sort of those border regions over there. But with this strong domestic production, we're seeing a rebound, and that's helping people when they go and, and see prices on the store shelves. That's good news. We're talking with Joe Trotter, Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force Director for ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which you can find online at ALEC.org. we got to take a break here in just about a minute. So I want to set up the next uh, next segment for us here. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the state priorities going into legislative sessions. Now that we're into January, these states are convening again on what their priorities may be. And there's a lot, especially in the ag industry, with the extension of the Farm Bill at the national level, trying to talk about how to reform that one which I do want to touch on briefly when we come back, but then also how we can start working on, oh, I don't know, deregulating the ag industry. We saw the repealing of the waters of the U.S. bill, at least in one of the appropriation bills that were passed from the House, and whether that's actually going to go all the way through will be really nice and actually allow farmers to do what they want to do. Plus, when it comes to trade internationally, the Ukraine and Russia issue, the Israeli issue, and some of those that may be impacting, of course, the rural communities across the nation. We'll do that with uh, the state's legislators when we come back around the corner with Alec. It's Joe Trotter. It's the Voice of Reason. So great to be back after the 2024 holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Starting off with a bang. We've got a lot to get to. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosierholics gather every week, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. The Gathering of Hoosierholics. This is your weekly meeting I know you have a problem. It's okay. The first part of admitting it is just to admit the fact that you have a problem. And we can work through it together as your political therapist. We will break down those walls and make you understand the world better inch by inch. Welcome back into it. The Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. Find us online at com, H-O-O-S-E-R reason.com. 
Always wonderful. We're hanging out right now with Joe Trotter, Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force Director for ALEC, which you can find online at ALEC.org, focusing on state legislative priorities. As sessions get back into it for 2024, what is their agenda? What is their focus? And let's uh, let's focus on that. Joe, I, obviously, let's talk about agriculture for just a moment. The extension of the Farm Bill, kind of interesting. The repealing of the waters of the U.S. rule, at least in one of the appropriation bills at the federal level. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But that would be nice, again, but what's the state right now and what is the priority for many states to focus on when it comes to trying to produce energy, trying to produce agriculture, trying to actually keep the economy stable on the rural front? Well, the beauty of it is state legislators more or less can, can see success in, in their economies by staying out of it and ensuring that the rest of the, the regulatory system stays out of it as well. The, the free market is a beautiful, beautiful thing where Resources are allocated where it's profitable, and profitable means it's productive. So right now, the thing to look for in your state legislators is whether or not they're going ahead and letting people make decisions for themselves. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be really nice. Now, uh, do you know of any more states that are focusing on trying to ban, let's say, for example, China or foreign nations from purchasing land? I know that's been a big topical discussion. Oklahoma, I believe, has done it. Uh, South Dakota has done it. Other states have talked about it. But it was an issue with foreign countries like uh, China coming in and buying up agricultural land in the country. It is, and states are definitely talking about it. And we're, we're hearing the discussions. And, and within ALEC, we have a working group that is taking a look at this issue as a whole. But interestingly, the Biden administration is starting to throw states uh, and just general people for a loop here. Uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission is looking at this new form of company called a natural asset company. And what it is, is it's a company that can go ahead and buy up or lease federal land. Now, this is federal land that is often used for grazing or leased for other agricultural purposes. But the idea behind these companies is they go ahead and retain the rights to the land, but not be allowed to do anything about it or on it. So the idea is to essentially park these these federal and sometimes state and in some instances even private assets in these companies, which can then be bought up by foreign powers through shares on the stock exchange. So even if the states go ahead and ban this acquisition of productive agricultural land, the federal government is trying to do an end run around the states to make sure that foreign adversaries like uh, China or or Russia or pretty much anyone else that's kind of a bad actor in the world can go ahead and own a piece of America where it can then prevent oh. us and, yeah, people from turning it into something productive. Wow. They're just relentless. It's like let's we need to defend and protect the ability for foreign nations to come in and take, and take control over us. Is this by any way partnered up with their whole 30 by 30 plan trying to consume 30 percent of the lands as, as federal government property by the year 2030? I know Joe Biden's pushed that through the USDA as well. Is that part of this agenda? It is. That is exactly what this is. And thank you for bringing this up. This is going to be my next point. 30 by 30 is dangerous. And the idea is Basically, in the next 30 years, go ahead and make sure that 30 percent of the land in the United States is under federal control for the purposes of big air quotes here, protecting the environment. Now, what that means is basically letting these lands just be unproductive. It's a total mess, and it's 
They're trying to take private land. They're trying to take state land. And it, it's just this enormous expansion of federal power that left unchecked is going to just just be an absolute boondoggle. Yeah, what a mess. And I know right now we're already at like 28% of the land being consumed, so it's not a whole lot more, but uh, this 30 by 30 plan is a very dangerous thing. It's all under the purpose of ESG and environmentalism. If the federal government owns it, then you can't screw it up, and that's kind of where we're at right now. It's Joe Trotter, Energy, Environment, and Agriculture Task Force Director for ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, ALEC.org. Joe, I appreciate all the information, my friend. Keep up the good fight. Hopefully we see a good legislative session this year across the nation. Got to get you back on the show and get another update again from you soon there it is appreciate it very much hour number one in the books we got so much more to touch on hour number two the campaign trail is heating up we're one week away from the iowa caucuses what's on the slate for them we'll touch on that plus the latest going on over the past week and how to get you set for the year of 2024 and the shenanigans that are about to ensue all that coming up for hour number two it's the voice reasons weekend edition stay right here